Hey, have you guys seen this? We are getting blasted in the ass by the state liquor tax. Oh. Blasted in the ass? Mac, we have the same conversation every year. There's nothing you can do about taxes. Uh, you guys might want to think about voting every once in a while. What has voting ever done? Well, what is... Why are you coming to... Voting? Who am I supposed to vote for? Am I supposed to vote for the, the Democrat who's going to blast me in the ass or the Republican who's blasting my see, ass? Politics is just all one big ass it blast. Is a coast You're going to get your ass blasted. Nationwide okay, see, ass blasted. No more. You guys are such morons. If you knew anything at all about politics, you would know that that is not true. Deandra, it's just some jerk getting into office so he can get out for the payday. Right. The guy's running for office. He's what? Uh, what, what, what payday? I see it every year. I mean, some clown runs for office drops out of the race, and gets a big chunk of dough. I mean, you have to be a real low-life piece of shit to get involved in politics. Welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I am Jake. You are Jake. I am Jake. With your new fancy laptop. Dude, I got this HP Chromebook. I got this little fancy pen thing. Dude, I'm a little... It's pretty slick, dude. I like it. I need to get a cover for it because it's got this white front yeah. and it's already starting to get like dirty. Something. Maybe like a... They have some... If you go to Chromebook, like <laughs> there's a Chromebook website. Mm-hmm. They have like all kinds of covers. Oh, really? I used to have one. I have the bottom of mine left on. Oh, really? There. Yeah. Okay. Dude. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say that I saw some cool stuff on Etsy, like Harry Potter uh, themed stuff. I was thinking about. I mean, just buy a sticker decal and throw it on there. Yeah, I could do that, too. Instead of spending, spending like 15 bucks yeah. on something. I'm also sitting here in my prescription sunglasses because I can't find my regular glasses. Where did When did you do that last? Well, we're, I think we were doing it to the Republic. Yeah, we were recording to the Republic. Oh, my gosh. I can see the light shining through so I can see your mm-hmm. eyes this time, but... Last time it was just like darkness. <laughs> I took a picture of you and I just put, I didn't post it, but I was like, um, I added like all these matrix things and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like enter the matrix <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Stupid. Um, dude, 17 days until graduation for this year's. Has it been a year yeah. already? Isn't that crazy? Jesus. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I was, um, I was, um, reminded of that because mm-hmm. i usually have like a like a monthly breakfast with my grandpa yeah, and yeah. him and i meet up and so he he's a very um he's just he's he's not a guy that like candy like sugar coats anything right so he's he's just very forward yeah and i respect that about him he's been kind of my jungle guide through all of school and right um always been really encouraging but he's never like been one to mince words mm-hmm. and he we're sitting down and for he just dude it's super early in the morning it's like 7 30 oh, and i'm I, I had stayed up too late the night before right and i'm sitting there and i'm just i'm starting to kind of wake up mm-hmm. and he he goes well jake it's been uh it's been this coming may will be a year since you uh graduated mm-hmm. and in november you'll be 29 that's a year away from 30 so uh what's your plan and I was like, oh, that's right. It has been almost a year since yeah, I graduated yeah, yeah. and I've done that. Does the, he not like, know about... He, at that point, he didn't know about it. This, oh. was, this, was, a, this was a couple... This was like a <laughs> okay. week before I got accepted to America. Oh, okay, so okay. I hadn't, I I hadn't say, completely told him yet. Uh, besides crushing it, Grandpa, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but yeah, so then he... At first, he was a little skeptical of the 
the online component thing right. of it. But then I think once explaining, because I think most people, because he he grew up in academics right. too. Right, so right, I mean, right. He, well, he didn't grow up in it, but he has his PhD. So like academics and being like the the actual campus setting mm-hmm. is something. Because he worked, he was a vice president of UP too. So I mean, like the campus has always been right. like a, a, a environment that he loves. Yeah. And so I think he was a little. Don't we all. I think he. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he was a little um, skeptical yeah. of the online thing, and then I told him it's like, well, you know, after a year. I can move to campus. I told him all the details and stuff. Right. So he seemed a little more, um, a little bit more supportive of it. Right. After I explained to him right. that even even though like it's online, but I'm still webcamming into the classroom, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the main reason why I had to get a new laptop is because yeah. I need something with a working webcam. So <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. funny. Anyway, yeah. What's been up with you? Oh boy, I wasn't. So I was thinking about this long and hard. I hope you're cool with me getting into this. Oh, dude, I'm always okay with whatever you want to get into. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say anything. I've been, I haven't said anything for a long time, but I think it's just like it's the right time just to talk about this. But um, I'll start by saying that Jennifer and I, my wife and I, are exploring adoption. Mm-hmm. And so for the past three years, we've had infertility issues. We have not been able to have a kid. Um, we tried in vitro. That was unsuccessful. Um Long story short, the point of the last three years is it's been the worst. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've all I've been on the outside of it, but you know, us interacting a lot, right. I can just see the you know how it's affected you guys. It's been and, hard, and it's been really hard, and it sucks uh, watching two people I really care about right. having to go Thank through you. that. You're such a sweetheart. Um, but you know, now that we've kind of found this path towards adoption and and really tr- chugging along on that path, it's. It's finally, it finally feels like in life we have a little light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, at, with, with, with infertility, as you're going through it, it's constantly like the unknown. You're traveling through a dark tunnel, but you don't know if there's going to be an end to that tunnel, um, which is the worst part about it, I think. But so we're, we're, we're going through this process. Um, we're going through, um, uh, we found an agency that, that works with us who will work through the state. Okay. Um, it's a long and complicated process, and, 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 and we're doing a lot to, to get prepared for it. But the reason I bring it up is because I think there's a lot of learning experiences that I've had along mm-hmm. the way that I think are important to share, Yeah. Um, especially with this adoption thing. I mean, I, I think that um, as far as infertility and, and women's health um, – I probably know more about that than I ever dreamed I would ever know, <laughs> um, but which is great. I think it's great, and it, it's it's allowed me to become more understanding um, of not just my wife but all women's health, sure. um, and a little bit of an advocate for it, and, mm-hmm. and and pushing. You know, anytime I see an interesting story or something I know about online, I like to share it. Um, I don't know if anyone views the videos or reads the article about women's health, but I at least put it out there because I. I I know the impact that some things can have on yeah. not just an individual but a couple or a family. Um, so having understanding about and and to the point I was trying to make there was I think that in not just women's health and infertility I think is something that a lot of people don't really understand. Um, and I don't think and I pray that nobody has to understand fully to the extent that that my wife and I have. But um, I think that. 
if you if you ever have a chance to 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 connect or see somebody or or interact with somebody, so there's a lot of social media accounts out there um, who 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 post their stories or blogs who post their stories, and um, even even just reading some of those gives you a better understanding of maybe what some people are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and and ju- I another quick note I'm gonna add to that is you know if you have someone in your life who is your friend or or family member and maybe a couple or whoever maybe not hound them so hard about when are you guys going to have kids because sometimes there's a lot going on in the background that people sure. don't understand and know about yeah um like jen and i had before we had <coughs> explored um infertility options uh we had been trying for like a year and a half or two years mm. and everybody's like all right when are you guys having kids when are you guys having oh, kids and my it's gosh, like I couldn't imagine that. you know us coming home and be like we're trying jennifer <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so um that's one one disclaimer i want to put out there you know as far as as friends and family maybe don't push for that stuff people are on their own time i know that there are parents who want to be grandparents out there but I mean, sometimes you just don't know what people are going through. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in in it might sound like a legitimate question or coming from the right place, but right. it can be can that question can be misconstrued right. in so many ways. Right. And because yeah, and you're right, like you don't know the background. Right. So Yeah. So now that we're going through adoption, that comes with a whole new question set of questions and comments that people make because they don't understand the whole yeah. process or whatever. But the reason I want to bring up the fact that we're going through this adoption process is one thing that because of the agency, because of the program we're going through, we have to um, be certified as foster parents before we, just because it comes in such an inclusive package Mm -hmm. that if you go through the process of becoming a registered foster parent, then you'll be more prepared and more appealing for um, a child to, to join your family. So with that said, this freaking process is insane i know you've you've told me a little bit about it yeah. it makes my head hurt <sighs> i couldn't imagine like having to write the amount that you've written dude it's insane so i, I so i get a i get a there's a ton of paperwork i get a packet that has like a ton of questions and i'm like oh, from the agency and i'm like okay dope i'll i'll answer all these it's like Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your parents. How did your parents get along? How about your siblings? How did Jesus. It... Dude, it's insane. Like, how are you supposed to write on that? What are, like, your, what are your goals for your career? What are your goals for your life? How will you parent? How will you discipline? What are your thoughts on discipline? Like everything, all encompassing. So I finish this massive questionnaire. I, I look at, I count the pages. It's like 13 pages. <gasps> and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just wrote all that. And then my wife's like, hey, you have to fill this one out. And it's one from the state that is almost identical, but different enough that I can't just copy and paste. Oh, my God. I'm so annoyed with the agency. (laughs) I'm going to like when this is all said and done, I'm going to email them and be like, just use the one from the state because this is double the work. And it's been uh, it's draining. It's uh, it's I know in the end it'll all pay off and all be worth it. Um, like I said, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like, oh, come on. And then I get another questionnaire that's just like a quick blip of like who we are with the same set of questions on there. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to. Why are you guys doing this uh, to me? But the, the, the freaking immovable wall that is federal bureau, federal and state bureaucracy. Dude, every time I feel like I'm getting one step ahead, it's like, actually, you got to fill all this out now. So 
whatever, that's fine. Um, but the what I wanted to talk about is is the actual like training and stuff that I've had to do. Yeah, your senior did CPR, so it's, I, I feel very ton. comfortable. If I just fall down and start yeah. choking right now, you can save me. Yes, I could save you. Um, CPR, first aid, bloodborne pathogen training. It was six hours of training. Um, it was bloodborne pass pathogens. pathogens. So like oh, if okay. you're bleeding, I know how to handle okay. blood and blah blah blah. Sure. Which okay. I'm, my mom is a nurse, and for um, my whole youth, she worked for the county. Um, in uh, oh my gosh, I can't even remember which department. The health department. Sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know she, she listens up, too. Yeah. She's gonna be mad. She's gonna be like, uh, <laughs> "Come on, come on, finish it." You know. Anyway, so she would do like a lot of HIV bloodborne pathogen training. So since I was super young, I just had this like, if you were anybody else, it'd be a weird understanding of bloodborne pathogens and and safety around mm-hmm. that. Um, so that part portion of the class was whatever. I mean, I'm like, come on, let's just get through this. I know this stuff, um, but. I mean, just that training, it's crazy going through this and every step of the way I'm learning something. I learned something about myself. Mm-hmm. I learned something actually tangible and, and that will help me in the future. But also, you know, I learned something about the partner I'm going th- through this with. Right. It's it, I can't help but think like, why? Why isn't it required for all parents to learn this stuff? Maybe not the 18 or the uh, 140 pages of questionnaires, mm-hmm. but the the but even that was like a little self reflective to think about. Maybe people don't consider what their thoughts are around discipline, or consider maybe there was a little more trauma in their childhood growing up. That when you write it down, that needs to be worked through before you actually have a kid. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, just even like it's like tell tell us about your biggest traumatic moment when you're a child. Hmm. And when I'm writing that down, I know what it is and I can talk about it. But when you're writing it down for somebody else to read, you're just like, Oh Jesus, maybe I, maybe it was kind of fucked up. Like it just really puts into Hmm. perspective just everything. Do you like, do you feel compelled to like self censor in that when you're writing in that way? I think it's important to know that stuff because I think that, so one, one thing that I wrote was, um, my dad, who I think was a great dad, he was an abusive alcoholic to my mom. And like I, I've seen him beat her oh my God. when I was a kid. But, you know, when we had... Um, so the caseworker c- comes and does a home study and she c- has to come four times. She came last weekend for a second time. Mm-hmm. And she's asking about that stuff. Like, how do you think that's impacted you? And I was like... I was honest. I just said... And I've talked to you about this a little bit, you know, for a long time until... I kind of sought personal help. It was I my reaction when I was angry is to yell. Mm-hmm. And I just like I just because I grew up in a house of yelling. Um I don't hit or punch or you know what I mean? Yeah. But I yell when I get like sure. cornered or or frustrated. I I would do that. And then, you know, a few years ago I was like uh, I'd always get super angry with certain people and I was like I need to go like, you know, uh to do a tune-up essentially just get some new tools to help me and then i started even that i only went for like a month or two to some like counseling sessions i was like oh okay now i see why and now i know how to handle it better and i've become much better of it but so but i mean i think that when you talk about those things with throughout this process and you and you don't censor it um i think it allows for people to see growth i mean i i i do definitely think that because of the childhood and, and, and trauma that I had when I was a kid definitely led to me like not succeeding in school, but I have since, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> and not I, only have you like succeeded, you've like killed it. Well, like, tried, dude. You you were you were really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Um, but I mean, I'm. Uh, so I think it's important to be honest about that stuff because then when some maybe the committee or someone's looking at you submitting on a child, they're like, oh, okay, here's somebody who kind of knows how hard life can be. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I'm honest about those things. Sure. But so CPR class was long and tedious, but I learned a lot. Um, the one, the one thing that I think is because I always want to kind of put exposure to things like I did with women's health is we were required to, um, go to like uh we had to go to something to experience a part of the state family process okay now that's either going to a foster parent support group where they meet and gather and talk about their sure. um or go to family court and uh so we chose to go to family court um, just that's interesting. Foster parenting isn't something we're going to do right away. Maybe okay. something in the future, mm-hmm. but um, we're like, we're like, let's go see this process of these families and these kids. So we go, and holy shit! Wow, we had such a great sampling of experiences in the few hours that we were there. Mm-hmm. But we just sat in the back of the courtroom and watched, and there was. Um, the first case that we actually like witnessed was there was this like 17 year old girl who was struggling with like suicide and essentially the the foster parent was like I can't I can't handle this it's too much for me I I don't know what to do she keeps trying to like kill herself and it's just getting out of hand and out of control I can't be there for her and then the state was like well we don't have the funds in the facilities to house someone like that so we can't do anything and then the state was like, so because of that, we have a institution in Pennsylvania who will take her until she ages out of the foster care system and they can uh, address her mental health and take care of her. Well, then her lawyer was like, well, all of her family lives. She has, she's been split from her siblings. They're all younger than her. She's the oldest. And they're like, the lawyer's like, uh, we want to keep her here in Washington, maybe reevaluate her health and maybe find the true reasons of why she's doing these things and has these actions obviously there's an element of mental health but you know the example they used was the last time she tried to kill herself was on her sister's birthday that she couldn't go see her sister so there's clearly an element of acting out because she doesn't have a relationship with her siblings because they're all throughout this system Mm -hmm. but watching these grown-ass adults talk about this while she's standing right there and the judge was like the judge was such such a badass she's like well, it sounds like all of you are just throwing your hands up and saying that you can't do anything to help this child. What's going on? Why can't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? I'm just supposed to say okay and send her to Pennsylvania, and that might be more detrimental to her health and her mental health? It, dude, holy shit. It was rough. Jen said she was trying not to cry the whole time. I couldn't have, That's fucking heartbreaking. And her little sister was sitting in the back of the court, like, hoping that they wouldn't come to the conclusion to send her sister away to Pennsylvania, which ultimately they did. Because everybody waived the responsibility or the ability to to care for this kid. And I know that, I mean, I can't imagine trying to care for a kid who's constantly trying to kill themselves. But I'm trying to approach this whole thing as like, you know, people say to you, like, what if you get a kid who has like mental health issues? Or what if you get a kid that has this or that or that? Okay, well, what if I had a kid naturally and it had all those things? I don't get a choice. I have to just, Mm -hmm. that's part of parenting. 
You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And it's like so. You know, when they see these these foster parents, just like, oh, well, I guess you know, sorry, I can't. It's like, and these people were a little older, so I'm wondering. I'm I don't want to pass judgment. I'm like, are you guys even working? Are you guys retired? Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much more that can be done for kids and mental health. But it, with viewing this whole process, they're like, nope, we can't do anything. Sorry, send her to an institution. It was brutal. But then I, follow, couldn't, I couldn't imagine. But then following that case, we see a mother who is in the midst of trying to be reconnected with her child. And she used to be uh, she used to be abuse drugs. And now she's she's going to classes and, and learning about parenting and has been clean and being drug tested and is on that path to being re, being reunified with her kids. So that was interesting to see in the middle of the process. What does it look like when a woman's in the middle of this process trying to get her kids back? Mm hmm. A little note I like to make here when I talk about this is there was no fathers present or in the story at all for any of the cases I saw. Do you know what happened with the mother with the kids that were with the 17 year old and then the I don't. Okay. I don't. They didn't. But there talk was about no that. there was no biological parent. I'm sure there are there well, was a lot of time with these foster kids, you know, they're there but they're just like either on the streets using drugs or have no interest in being parents or don't have the mental capacity to be parents. Um it there could be a a whole multitude of reasons of why they're not involved, but mm-hmm. typically, you know, they're either abandoned or taken because of drug use yeah. or, or toxic environments for these kids. Um, and then finally, the last case that we got to see was, um, a mother who had was there to get essentially like a final judgment. Like, listen, judge, here's all the classes she's taken. She's been drug free for X amount of years. And basically the judge granted her reunification with her kids. Which w- And the woman just broke down and cried, and the whole court started clapping and cheering. And it's just like, what an emotional, like, just sample of, of what people go through. And this, mm-hmm. this family court happens every day. Yeah. And, and I don't think it was like every other day, but still. I don't know. So there was a lot of, like, things that I was exposed to while being there in this small sampling that were great examples of maybe things I might have had preconceived notions on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You might judge parents for for substance abuse and not being with their kids, but going through this process, it definitely it gives me a better understanding of of maybe you know not that adults and these people don't have choices, but you know maybe they were a product of the foster care system and then they didn't have the right tools or guidance to make better choices when they were older, and they just get thrown right back into that system as a parent now, mm-hmm. and then their kids get you know what I mean instead of breaking the cycle. I don't know. It's been super informative. Um, the classes that we have to take, you know, they do. A gr- they have great examples, video examples of, say, they're talking. We did one segment on race, culture, um, gender, and sex. And when talking about those topics, you know, you go through the lessons and maybe scenarios you might run into. Um, but then they have video segments of here are five foster parents talking about their experience with foster kids who, you know, are and and their experiences with race, gender, religion, and sex. Sure. And then they go to, here are five foster kids. They tell their story. Then here are five, um, you know, birth parents talking about their kids being in the system and how they saw a change or an effect. So it's been super informative. It's been super great. Um, you know, it's it, they're always, there's some one in the, in the questions they're always asking, like, how do you how do you think being a parent will change you? And my answer is like, listen, I understand it's one of those things that 
it's I think it's one of those things that where people say like I could tell you how it's going to be but you'll never know until you experience sure it. and I have that understanding but I think a little I feel a little more prepared um, a little emotionally but also just mentally after all these training and and I think in the end like I said it'll be worth it but um, I just think it's important to kind of let people know I don't know there's listeners I think should be know kind of what I'm going through. So sometimes when you're like Jeff's off this week or Jeff seems weird or Jeff seems grouchy or Jeff seems tired or da 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 da, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing all of that. There's yeah. a lot of that I I didn't. I know you and I have talked yeah. about this over the last couple, of, I've, over the last couple of years, and yeah. since you guys chose adoption and everything, but. A lot of that I I, st- I had never heard. Right. So thank you for sharing yeah, of that. Thanks it for was, listening to my spiel. Of course, and <laughs> um, yeah, I just can't. You guys are incredibly strong and such an inspiration. Thank you. It's been and, rough. Uh, it, it's yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine going we through what you guys have gone through. We couldn't absolutely do any of this without you, friends like you, family, everyone. You know, people have been there financially to help us and support us. But the emotional, even just listening to us has been incredible. Um, I, I, you know, there are times where Jen and I felt like I think people are just sick of hearing us talk about it. And I don't know if that's true, but sometimes we feel like if we're this burnt out, I can't imagine how others are hearing about it. Um, So for anyone who's listening, family, friends, you, Jake, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. There's no way we can repay every single one of you for everything that you guys have done for us. Um, but hopefully when you guys see us be parents, you're like, okay, that's why we're there. That's why we're friends with them because they're fucking good people. So, yeah. well, I'm excited. We'll try. We'll I'm try. super excited for when the, when, when the day comes. Oh dude, I'm going to, I can, lose I can, it. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. I can, I can meet the, uh, the little Jeff Lopez. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a girl dude or okay. <laughs> Jeff Rita Lopez. Jeff Rita. <laughs> wow. Um, so we'll see, but that's kind of, I mean, that's a huge update, but that's, What's been going on in my life? Um, I don't think there's anywhere to go, um, but here. So let's go here. Here we are, Thursday. Well, you'll be listening. We're recording Wednesday. <laughs> well, Jake, just go with the facade. Sorry, okay? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Technically, it's Wednesday, but we are post 2-0 on Trailblazer Playoffs. So, so the next game will be Friday. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, we're still 2-0. Yeah, we're still 2-0. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Thursday, we're 2-0. If you're listening on Saturday... Hopefully we're three, you know. <laughs> Hopefully they're, they're going to throw everything they have at Portland. Oh yeah, everything. Um, thoughts. 
Uh, game two, obviously the score, I mean, is you could look at the box score and be like, they played much better. Mm-hmm. But I think that doesn't tell the full story. The ball moved way better. Mm-hmm. The offense actually looked like an actual offense and not Damon CJ playing ISO right. and having to hit 30, having to hit 30 footers to keep their lead. Yep. Um, and they took the best punch that Oklahoma City had for them mm-hmm. in the first quarter, mm-hmm. weathered the storm, came back after halftime, right. and basically shut that thing out in the third quarter. Basically won the game in the third quarter. Yeah, they were tied at halftime. Mm-hmm. And then they... And, and it was only like a four-point game with, I think, a minute and a half. I think with 80-something seconds left in the third quarter, it was only a four-point game. They scored oh. 12, 12 points in the last 80 seconds of the third quarter to go up six, to go from a six-point lead to a 16-point lead. Yeah, the final was 94 to... 114. And you hold that team to 10 of 61 three-point shooting? Yeah. Below 100 points in both games? Yeah. That offense yeah. with an MVP and another MVP-level player? Mm-hmm. That's in, it's amazing. So, you know, Paul George was like, my shoulders hurt. That's why I'm not playing well, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm sure a lot of that is mental, you know, mm-hmm. strat- strategy that they're trying to do. But... Did you do? Do you watch any of the uh, post game press conferences? It's my favorite thing to do. I watched CJ's. Okay, and I watched um, Russell's with with Paul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you watch from last night? Where Russell basically owned it that it was his fault. No, no, no. Oh. What Paul said. No, I don't like, think I heard. Okay, this they were just like, "Hey, so you guys are not shooting well. You guys have been shooting terribly from three in both games." Mm-hmm. What do you guys do to change that? And Paul George just goes, keep shooting. And I'm thinking, please, for the love of God, keep, keep shooting. Yeah, keep shooting. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that was his response. Like, usually the response is find ways to get guys open, find ways to manipulate But they the are defense. open, Jeff, though. Uh, they are sometimes, but they are crowding space. Blazers are playing some of the best defense they've played all year. They're they're playing almost to the level of defense where it seems like they're playing six on five. Yeah. It's the same kind of suffocating defense that New Orleans employed against Portland yes. last year. I where like it just that. felt like no matter how many times Damian Lillard cleared a defender, there was another guy right. between him that him between him and the basket. Yes. The open shots that OKC is getting is on like a scramble defense where they're slant they're uh, slacking on the weak side to help mm-hmm. and there's a scramble and there's a, a guy open yeah. for a three. That's where I'm seeing open threes. Um, they're daring Westbrook to shoot. Um, that one three from the logo, the play before on defense, Dame basically dared Westbrook mm-hmm. to shoot the three. He bricked it. Then Dame turns to the crowd and was like, let's go. He flexes. Flexes. And then. Gets the, yeah, gets the ball from Chief. Yeah, yeah, knocks down that logo three and then says bombs away. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it is so satisfying to be crushing Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, probably so we have a listener who listens every week. Um, he'll be a guest one day, but CJ, he probably put it the best way that I can um, I can think. But he said Blazers are playing like a connected team, and Thunder are fighting individual battles. That's perfectly sad. That's what I said. Yeah, you, I was like, there's, wow. There's not a single like an analysis that would be able to encapsulate right what is happening better than that. Mm-hmm. Because it, it really is yes. if you if you look at the just the the um I don't know, just their the personalities on the bench, mm-hmm. like how they're 
when when players when there's like a like a, you know there's a shift change mm-hmm. and they go to their bench and the starters go nobody's talking to each other on the thunder side right right they're all, they've got their heads they got their heads down yeah they're not they're not really Ooh, they're not really boy. doing anything and when you look at portland's bench they've got all their arms around each other they're mm-hmm. mean mugging they're i mean it it's portland's bench every guy on that bench is foaming at the mouth for a chance to come in and make an impact. Mm-hmm. Every single one, when Seth came in, he's got a grin ear to ear, ready to do something. Yeah, and he comes in and knocks down some huge threes. Mm-hmm. And my boy Myers, he just comes in and he's doing the right things at the most crucial time in the Blazers' seasons. But that little stint he had last night, he just was doing all the small things. Yeah. Everything that they needed, he was just defensively. Um, even even after when uh, Adams set that screen on Lillard and pounded him to mm-hmm. the floor, and then the next play kind of gave Aminu a hard foul. Dame went up to Adams, and they were chirping a little bit back and forth. But then when they went to the line, he's standing right next to Myers, and Myers starts going at him a little bit, like, "Hey, man, I, who knows what they said?" Yeah. But it wasn't pleasantries. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, and I, I think an under like an undervalued or like completely understated mm-hmm. um, friendship on that team is Chief and Lillard. Oh, absolutely. They're really good friends. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many people know that, but yeah. I'm sure – I think Lillard had something to say after the screen, but I think more of what it was was coming to the you defense of so? Chief. Well, think about it. When was the last time Blazers got into a really chippy game late when it didn't need – I mean, it really got into a chippy oh, yeah. game I late. I saw your comment. Yeah. I and saw it ended up, it ended up being resu- <laughs> It ended up resulting in yes. – Lillard never – Lillard didn't get after Carroll or anything like – mm-hmm. get it after any of those ankle biters from, from Brooklyn. Yeah. And look what ended up happening. It kept ratcheting it up. As soon as that happened, you never really saw – Adams kind of, I think, backed. Adams almost backed off a little bit, mm-hmm. realizing the game's pretty much over. Let's not get anybody hurt. Let's right. get out of this game. Right. And I, I don't know if that's what happened. And that's just kind of my take mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on it. Was that I don't want to see another one of my guys oh, get hurt. God no, no. But it was definitely a response to either the screen or it was probably a response to both. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. But well, I think the same players. So yeah. he's like, all right, dude, listen, you guys aren't winning. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> like, is this off. is over. Yeah. Every shot you hit, we're countering with a three. Yeah, and you're already down fourteen. Exactly. So I do love Adams though so much. Well, he's a great guy. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. Like he's probably top five favorite players in the league right now. And it's hard for me to hate Paul George too. I like Paul George too. It's just he he's guilty by association with well, Westbrook. Well, sure. Yeah. But I really liked him when he was on Indiana. Yeah, for sure. Um in those those Pacer teams that push LeBron's mm-hmm. LeBron and mm-hmm. D Wade's, you know, Heat Definitely. team to game sevens in the Eastern Conference final. What was that one player's name on that team? Roy, Roy Hibbert? No. The other like small forward. Um it starts with a G, I think. Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. Well, they had Lance Stevenson, but he was their shooting guard. He's one player that I always, I always forget about, and then when I hear his name, oh, Danny Granger. Yep. Mm -hmm. Every time I'm like, oh, whatever happened to Danny Granger? That's crazy. Yeah, he was kind of he was kind of towards the end of his career in that run. Yeah, and that was like Paul George kind of emerging, and they had um, David West was on that team, and uh, who was the the starting point guard was was oh boy uh, George Hill. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Anyways, at the Pacers, we're talking about Blazers. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, Pacers are my Eastern Conference team. I are they? Have, yeah. Oh, my brother-in-law likes the Pacers. Yeah. He loves Paul George. And then when Paul George left, we're like, you still like the Pacers? So I think he's kind of had to just swallow it and still support him. Mm-hmm. But uh, even after last night's game, I'm like, what's up with your boy Paul? He's like, he's he's like, he's the only one who did anything. I'm like, yeah, he had oh, a good. He true. did have a good game. He did. Yeah, but, yeah. dude, I am so <sighs> okay. I we'll see. The games in Oklahoma are huge. I also wonder if GP was sitting front row last night, Gary Payton. Oh. I wonder if that had something to do with Dame. Really? Because Dame was playing harder and more aggressive than I've seen him play all season. Mm-hmm. It was so sexy. Yeah. The ball movement was great. Yeah, it was. Getting CJ like on pin down <sighs> so he could get he could get open for that little mid-range. That halftime was a halftime mm-hmm. shot. That play was so beautiful. For Dame, Dame wasn't even looking at him. He was looking. It looked like he was going for the shot mm-hmm. and then just kicks it out to CJ for the three. Well, then good on CJ for getting in Lillard's vision. Because mm-hmm. if you watch, if you watch he CJ, over. he slides over mm-hmm. to make sure he's in Lillard's vision, yeah. which <sighs> I don't know how many other players, nobody else other than CJ, maybe Seth, mm-hmm. has that awareness of right. where Lillard, Lillard would be looking right. to throw the ball and mm-hmm. making himself available. Well, and Lillard was surrounded, mm-hmm. and he just had that wide open look to CJ. But if CJ stays where he was in the corner, there's no there's no pass. The defender's going right back to him. Yeah. Oh, it was so awesome, dude. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, so I can't wait for us to win the championship. But dude, dope. but but Myers like <laughs> there was a there was a time where Myers got ISO'd in the corner. On defense? On defense yes. against Russell Westbrook yes. and kept him in front of him. Yeah. And then the one on Schroeder where Schroeder was trying to get to the rim. Mm-hmm. And Lillard forced Schroeder I mean I'm uh, sorry, Leonard forced Schroeder not even be able to get back to the middle of the court, mm-hmm. forced him baseline, and then had to throw it off the leg of Aminu just to keep the possession right. alive. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. Schroeder. He's funny. He's try- I felt like he was trying to be that Patrick Beverly for a por- oh, for, he, for them. Nowhere close to the he defender. Was, it, it was so, so awesome. I was watching that. I love the game within the game. It's my favorite thing, whether it's trash talking or the little, the little um, – just body language I'm watching between two players. And Schroeder's got his hand on Damien. And Damien is slapping it off of him the whole time uh, someone was shooting a free throw. Like, Schroeder kept trying to touch him. And Dame, put it, Dame puts his elbow out, like, get the F off me. And then he puts his hand on his elbow. And Dame's, like, slapping him away, like, get off me. Schroeder was hounding him and, and bodying him the entire first half. And I was thinking, they're trying to tire Dame out is what they're trying to mm-hmm. do. Second half or second quarter... They put Turner in, and Turner is doing the same thing to Schroeder that Schroeder that he was doing to Dame. And and Turner, if there's one thing he's like, he's best at mm-hmm. is being is he's so effing weird. Yeah, that he, anything you were to try to mess with Evan Turner, he'll just do something incredibly strange. Yes. Yeah. To, like it where, where yeah. it becomes like moot full like court defense on yeah. him and it was tiring him out and it's like you're gonna come at our guy okay i'll come at you yeah. and there was one point i don't know if you saw it where he just body checked turner and i think that pissed turner off and then he's like all right i'm gonna shut this kid down mm-hmm. like dude all season last season i shit on evan turner and he has been so dependable for portland he's been season. a great ball handler like his, the stuff crap. that his stuff doesn't necessarily show up in the stat right, line. right. the back-to-back you know, triple doubles off the bench or whatever. Yeah, like that, that was huge. cool. Yeah. But his, yeah, you can't understand. I mean, is he worth seventeen million dollars? Yeah. No. Right. But he, this is the first time you're being like, man, I'm glad he's on this roster. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We'll see what happens, man. I'm excited. Um, they got to get one, I think. 
if uh, your sole job is to go in and split, mm-hmm. but you can't go down there with that mindset, right? Because otherwise no. you will drop probably both of them. Because right. if you if you go in like, well, you get down early in in game three, and you're like, oh, we just need to get one, so we'll right. focus for the next game. That's Hell how you, no. that's how you come back in game five, tied up two yeah. two, and trying to hold home court. You, you need to go down there and attack. And I think Dame understands I that. So Dame too. has been in a lot of playoff series. Um, he, and he, he just seems just well, and he called, but and he called like he referenced back to that Houston. I series saw that, yeah. In in his post game and saying like I've been here before, mm-hmm. like I know what it means to be two two. And if it's not, if it's, he didn't say this, but I'm thinking, if it yeah, Lamarcus dominated. Like basically, mm-hmm. they were the the media was talking about Lamarcus Aldridge and the Blazers right. the same way they're talking about Lillard and the Blazers right mm-hmm. now. And then it, but it took Lillard's point nine shot to right. keep that from going seven for sure. You are. You're, we're not out of the, the Portland is not out no. of the woods in any way, no. shape, or form. So yeah. Um, um, one more point I wanted to make was I saw an article. Uh, I don't I don't know if our listeners, some of them I'm sure know, but Ennis Cantor and Steven Adams are really good friends. We're really good friends when mm-hmm. they were on the Thunder together. Um, the two have not spoken at all while Adams has been in town, and Can- Cantor said he went up to him and was like, "Hey, man," and he didn't even look at him. Just continue to put his shots up and work out. Hmm. And then they asked Adams, hey, have you had time to like hang out with cancer at all? And he's like, I've had time. I just don't want to. Now, watching that, I know what it what it's saying about the game. I know he maybe he's just saying, I just want to be focused on the game. I want to. He's the enemy right now. We can talk later. But right now I need to be focused on beating him, which is great. But what I think would hurt Cantor more is for them to be friends. I honestly think it would be better for Adams to hang out with Cantor and go out to dinner and have a social relationship. And then for Adams to be able to be like, all right, now I'm still going to shit on you. And Cantor be like, why is my friend shitting on me? I just think personality wise, Cantor kind of looks at him like a big brother. And maybe because he's shunning him, Cantor's like, all right, fuck you. Is then. Cantor younger than Steven Adams? I'm not sure. But the, the relationship, the dynamic, Adams is the better player. Oh, he is. <laughs> so that's he's what I mean as far as like player. little brother. Yeah. I mean, uh, little big brother, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they say with Damon and, yeah, and Nurk. Uh, Nurk. But I mean, I just, I just feel like if Adams were to facilitate that relationship, he would, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like Cantor would have a harder time going at him knowing that's his friend and Adam would be have it easier to switch it on and then shit all over cancer. Sure. But I feel like this is facilitating some, or, you know, kind of harboring some animosity for cancer and cancer's like, wow, dude, I thought we're bros. I guess I'm going to come at you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, cancer has been huge. Last night he was in foul trouble. Thanks yeah. to our, our, our pal and, um, sixth man of the year, uh, Scott Foster. Dude, but- first call of the game. Did you see it? I didn't see that one. Pass to Adams. Adams has both hands in the air. The ball goes right through his hands out of bounds. They call Portland ball. Scott Foster blows his whistle, reverses it. Of course he did. The crowd loses his mind. Cantor's hands are down to his side. At his side when the ball goes through Adams' hand. And then the crowd goes nuts. And then the the refs gather. They get together. And then Foster reverses his own reverse. <laughs> He's bad at his job. He is an idiot. 
He's really bad at his job. They were talking about that on the Rip City Drive last mm-hmm, night, the, mm-hmm. the post game, the yeah. third quarter. And Chad Doing just hates Scott Foster, which makes me love Chad Doing. I get more. on freaking Twitter and everyone's like, fuck Scott Foster. And I'm like, this makes me so happy. I don't know if there's a franchise that likes him. I, there can't be. Because that was the, he was the official that Golden State was going after. And he's Harden. A, and Harden, yeah. He's just really bad at his job. Yeah, he's not good. The good thing was is that there were calls made that were bad on both sides yeah i feel but, like balance it was pretty balanced because like night. a lot all of the wings for both sides were in foul trouble all right. night long so right. portland just had more big bodies to be able to throw at them yeah and normally that's not leonard but it was last night collins had three blocks yeah it was awesome everybody stepped up and yeah. i think the point you made earlier about everybody's chomping at the bit to get in and contribute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be a part of the team is just so right can't be understated i see it Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's our Rip City segment. Thanks for bearing through it. For those of you who don't like sports, and this is, there will not be a better time. If you're not into basketball, yeah. just there won't be a better time to watch the Blazers than right, right now. Right. So Even with you, that you LaMarcus and Dame and Matthews and Batum, that was a great team. But the way we won that series was with the last second shot. I don't think that that's going to be the case for this. I think Portland's going to win this series handedly and hopefully this doesn't age poorly but i just feel like they're 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 playing good basketball right now you think it ends in five i'm i'm going for the sweet baby you got the brooms out (laughs) all right i think i think they split in okc and they come back and close it out on home court i think that's more conservative take yeah but i'm just always the pessimist (laughs) i know you are and and to say that it's going to be five is super optimistic for me right because normally i would be like this i think this game stuff normally i would say i think this this series is going to go seven right but westbrook looked crushed yeah he looked crushed yeah so well and everyone else in the nation is saying has been saying and has said since the beginning okay he's winning it except for charles barkley you got our back baby normally he (laughs) that dude is a jinx i know because the last time you said Portland was going to the Western Conference Finals, CJ got hurt, then like two nights later, and then like a couple weeks after that, Nurk blew out his leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was saying we were going to win the Finals, and then Nurk got hurt, and CJ got hurt. Mm-hmm. So stop saying it, but we got it. We know who your pick <laughs> is. Quit saying it. All right, Jake. Let's uh, switch gears here. You had an article that, that uh, kind of laid out some points, and we wanted to go over those points. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. What's, so, what's the title of the article? The title of the article is A Complete Psychological Analysis of Trump's Support. Oh, okay. And it's in Psychology Today uh-huh. by um, Bobby Azarian. How do you spell it, that? A-Z-A-R-I-A-N. Okay. He's a PhD. Okay. And he wrote this um, article in December tw- on December 27th, 2018. Okay. So it's fairly recent. Right. Um, and the subtitle is science can help us make sense of the president's political invincibility Mm. because I think it's, it's, it is interesting because I mean, during like during 2016, people were calling him Teflon Don, like no matter Mm. what he says, no matter what is thrown at him, that would seemingly be political ruin for any other candidate. Right. Never stuck to him. That's something we've talked about. And I feel like that's something that's kind of been, uh, kind of coming up more and more lately at least in the media, as far as I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, just get, it gets into why is he so invincible? Mm-hmm. And uh, this this author lists out 14, um, 14 points of why different people from different you know classes or race you know different races mm-hmm. cultures 
around the country would still continue to um, to support this guy right. um, for president. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just, I think it's interesting. Um, you can take this as you will. So I don't know if this would be seen as controversial or if us being right. too slanted, but we'll get into it mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, I'll see what you think. So I'm going to, you have not read this article. I have not. I have um, it up, but so I, I will, read it. So I will um, just go through point by point. So uh, number one okay. is uh, practicality trumps... Um, Practic- practicality trumps morality. Okay. Um, so what the author says is, for some wealthy people, it is simply a financial matter. Mm. Trump offers tax cuts for the rich and wants to do away with government regulation that gets in the way of businessmen making money, even when that regulation exists for the purpose of protecting the environment. Others, like blue-collared workers, like the fact that the president is trying to bring back jobs to America from places like China. All right. Some people who generally are not racist, those who are will be discussed later, simply want stronger immigration laws because they know that a country with open borders is not sustainable. These people have put the practical concerns above their moral ones. To them, it does not make a difference if he's a vagina grabber or if his campaign team concluded with Russia, colluded with Russia to help him defeat his political opponents. Right. It is unknown whether these people are eternally bound to Trump in a way others are, but are may soon find the Mueller investigation is allowed to come when the Mueller investigation is allowed to come to completion. Right. Obviously, this is dated, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little dated. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, hmm. stuff with Mueller I mean, has that's come something out. Since. I've uh, I was getting to it with a guy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump posted that video of Biden creeping on himself. Yeah. Did I send that to you? You did. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Um, and I was just like. Oh, but grabbing vaginas or like sexual assault is cool or whatever. Or no, no, no. I posted the um, I I have this plaque that I found online. It's an image, but it's um, of basically, it's a plaque that um, is a qu- that's quoted. It says Donald J. Trump at the top, and then it says the whole I did try and fuck her. She was married. I moved on her like a bitch. That whole mm-hmm. set, that yeah. whole part is like. It looks like it's engraved on like a bronze plaque or whatever. So um, on that video of him, the president mocking Biden, creeping on Biden, I just posted that image and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, right. I mean, that's (laughs) like what? And then this guy, this person tweets back at me. No, no image on their picture profile, of course, Mm -hmm. limited tweets. So I'm always sketched out by that. But uh, they were like, get some new material. That's played out. I said, oh, sexual assault is played out? Dope. Like, what are you talking about? Just because it's not recent, it means it's not valid anymore? Well, then they said, a video of someone having a, all caps, private conversation with another person bragging about grabbing a woman's pussy is not sexual assault. Dope. I was referring to your comment as being played out, fool. I said, oh, okay, so as long as you're privately discussing about how you sexually assaulted women, it's cool. Grabbing pussies is fair game then, or is that sexual assault? You're jumping through some weird hoops for a politician. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I find it, I mean, that was probably a Russian bot. (laughs) I mean, right. Or, Or somebody who... I'd, or you, somebody you, exactly if, who this article's talking about. Yeah, if you don't, I feel like if you're on Twitter, especially. Yeah, it's the like the, it's I know the, I know like the the, well. the olds on will have like 
are on Facebook. Okay. Facebook's a little bit easier to understand and manipulate. Right. I feel like if you're on Twitter, you're probably of, of us. Generally, you're probably not elder unless you're like a political figure or mm-hmm. a business person of some kind. Right. You have a profile picture. Right. Right. You you know Twitter well enough. You know technology well enough right. to not not have a profile picture. Or I think it's a troll, you know, it's, it's a, a burning grounds for troll trolls where they're just like, I'm going to go and create a profile just to combat people, which I think is the thing, too. I mean, no, Kevin right. Durant, he you're freaking right. did it to defend himself. That's true. That's that's a good point. <laughs> so but I mean, I think that's a great example of like. The dude is literally bragging about sexually assaulting someone mm-hmm. and these people are just like. Get new material. Yeah. Like, we're forgetting all of that. Not even forgetting it. They didn't even address it. No. They just let it go. Yeah. It's weird. But then but then want to hold somebody else accountable for Oh, it. that's the most frustrating thing is the hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it... I mean, it is interesting, though, that people... Like, the from this per- first point, though, talking about how putting um, practical mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. over their perceived morality. Because right. somebody might say, like, well, you know, I do care about... Um, Mexican, you know, Mexican immigration. I do feel for them, but I don't feel that we can support, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people coming across. Our right, right. Okay. I mean, I get, I get, I get what the point is yes. being made with that first one. Yeah. Um, number two, if you're ready to move on, is. Uh, do you have any other points you want to make with? I was them? just gonna say, are you gonna read every one of these? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the brain's attention system is this number two. Okay. The brain's attention system. <laughs> Do it. That's number two. <laughs> the brain's attention system is more strongly engaged by Trump. Uh, according, oh. So according to a study that monitored brain activity while participants watched 40 minutes of political ads and debate clips from the presidential candidates, Donald Trump is unique, is unique in his ability to keep the brain engaged. Weird. Trump kept both. Attention and emotional arousal high throughout viewing session. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's that is interesting because I think he obviously has that ability to market himself to keep people engaged. Right. I mean that's what he did with The Apprentice, right. and he. I mean the guy is a TV show host. Right. Right. For so. sure. He. Um. I like what they said right there as far as like um emotion. I mm-hmm. feel like uh politics has just shifted towards zero-sum game and emotional triggers yeah and he knows that and he's playing that game well for sure and i think but in i, th- I think it, there's definitely a hint of it's this is obviously talking about psychology right but there's also um reveal something about our current culture absolutely about how our about our collective attention span mm-hmm. and what we value as a culture right now versus maybe what it was in the past and right. what we value in a leader now more than what we maybe valued in the past you know what's interesting is there's some like youtube videos that i was watching recently um with jen and uh it was either you i think it was a youtube video or like a vlog Mm -hmm. i don't know why it just popped up next on the youtube feed or whatever and there were so many cuts in the vlog that it's like are you even making coherent sentences because it'd be like anyways cut so today cut i'm gonna be cut recording myself cut like it, it was just that you can just clearly see the cuts yeah. right and i i've read that with like the new generations like even with television shows they'll mm-hmm. quickly cut scenes just to keep attention but when i see that stuff it drives me nuts and i'm like dude quit cutting away like just show me one person talking mm-hmm. i don't know i like single shots a lot yeah or longer shots mm-hmm. and this this cut 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 i think 
plays on that short attention span. Yeah, it's interesting. That, so we have, we all we all know that like people f- like forget things. Like we move on, like as a culture, we move on so quickly. Right. Like, and you're talking about your cuts and everything like that and attention span. But it's it's interesting because there's almost a dichotomy, right? Right, because now people are seeking out podcasts have never been more popular. Right. Oh yeah. And so people are seeking out long form dialogue mm-hmm. in some areas, but are looking for short sound bites in others, or memes, or, or memes. Yeah. You ha- that's such a polarizing. That's a good point. But you have like people interested in long form discussion and analyzing different either it's if it's a murder mystery or crime mm-hmm. or politics or movie reviews whatever the the podcast is and then people are diving in and they've been more popular than ever but then on the flip side they want their information quick easy and in mean form when they're on online or reading it people don't want to read i think i think that's probably it yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, that's probably it interesting yeah uh, so moving on to number three. All right, number three. Uh, America's obsession with entertainment and celebrities. So I think this kind of gets into what we were talking about in the with the fir- in the first one. Right. Um, so essentially, the loyalty to Trump supporters may be, in part, be explained by America's addiction to entertainment and reality television. Right. To some, it doesn't matter what Trump actually says because he's amusing to watch. Right. I can't be too critical. I'm just thinking this now, but it, it'd be kind of hypocritical of me to be critical of this because I just. Spent 15 minutes just sweating the trailblazers. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm definitely, I do, I don't know. I do idolize those guys a little bit. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I do put them up on a pedestal. So I get that. Um, I don't know. But the ability to separate politics from celebrity, I think, has to happen. Definitely. And I think the the cult of celebrity is something that our founders often were concerned about. Right. Um, And uh, anyway, but I mean, this Trump is obviously not the first president to really try to capture this cult of a celebrity. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. the earliest one of the earliest presidents to really kind of use these same tactics that President Trump uses. Yeah. Was President Andrew Jackson, which Mm. coincidentally has been the presidencies of these two guys have been like analyzed and compared right, right. <laughs> quite a bit so it's it is interesting um mm. on that end um and just basically saying you know he, trump keeps us on the edge of our seats and whether we like what he does or not right. we still pay attention yeah oh yeah like he'll tweet something just to get people talking about it i've heard that he'll sit there with the news on and tweet something and then watch them go this just in trump tweets a b or c and then he i'm sure he gets a thrill out of that Mm-hmm. But it also reflects the culture around him. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. I, I mean, as a celebrity, I can't imagine he doesn't enjoy the attention. Oh, there's, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> well, and then he also knows what attention means. Yes, absolutely. It's free publicity that he doesn't have to spend money on. It's free marketing that he doesn't have to spend point. money on. Good point. Um, yeah, I mean, he he loved all of it. If it's negative, he still likes it. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Because he can use it. Oh, he's good. He is good. He is good at what he does. <gasps> I love number four. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Uh, now, I think you would fit into this category if you were a Trump, if you were a Trump supporter. Yeah. I feel like you would fit into this, oh, yeah, in, into this sure. category. Because I don't know how many times you've sent me memes or uh, GIFs of, of the Joker. Of the Joker. <laughs> or no, no. it's uh, Yeah, it's... Uh, who says it? 
I have sent you a lot of memes and gifs of the Joker, mm-hmm. even images. I sent you a doctrine image I made of the Joker with the American flag in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Alfred, actually, that's a quote from Alfred from The Dark Knight. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But because he's telling a story about, you know, some men, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the story mm-hmm. is. But the point is, is some men just want to watch the world burn. So, um a little i like i'm not read there's there if you want to read this article i yeah. highly recommend it. i 100 percent recognize this point okay not that i agree mm-hmm. because i obviously don't really yeah. want to watch the system and and institutions burn i wouldn't be having a radio show teaching about that crap <laughs> if i genuinely thought I, I i know i know that yeah if i genuinely thought but there is something to it where Nobody really wants to watch democracy fall, especially in their own country. Mm-hmm. You may think or fantasize like screw the government, but really an anarchy is not the not what you want. No. You may think it's cool. You may think it, it would be it would be tied the government wouldn't be taxing me anymore. Okay, yeah, you also wouldn't have a lot of things paid for or protection. Think or, of how, how expensive uh, your own personal security would be. Right, right. So I like that. Um, I I want to read the first sentence real quick. Okay, Some go people ahead. are supporting Trump simply to be rebellious or to introduce chaos into the political system. And that is a point that I hear all the time from Trump supporters that I know. Mm-hmm. They're just like, well, he's not a politician. He's in there to shake things up. It goes back to the drain the swamp. You really think he's drained that swamp? The people he's put in place and around him and in his cabinet are not swampish creatures? <laughs> are you kidding me? How many of him, how many of them, it's not even, not even Trump, but right. have had, um, have had, scandals that have either forced them out of their yes. positions yes. or are under indictment and or in jail. Yeah. Uh, so that point, I don't know. I, I know what people say it to me all the time. Like he's not a politician. That's why I like him. They like him. I think four, three and four really go together. Mm-hmm. I like him because he's not a politician. He's a celebrity, but he's in there to shake things up. Yeah. It's like you guys are talking about mm-hmm. our government. You want our government to be shaken up and driven by a madman? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Someone who has absolutely no experience, but it's almost like that lack of experience is a qualification yes. for the people who yes. like adhere to number three and yeah. four. Um, uh, they may have a, like the, the next sentence is they may have a distaste for the esta- they may have a distaste mm. for the establishment of Democrats like Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that their support for Donald Trump is a symbolic middle finger directed at Washington. Right. So I think we all know some Trump supporters that just like, like that, just F you to the libtards. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Alrighty. Moving on. Number five, the fear factor. Conservatives Mm -hmm. are more sensitive to threat. Now this is interesting. Yeah. I don't. Hmm. So let's, we'll get into it. Yeah. 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 Science has shown that the conservative brain has an exaggerated fear response when faced with stimuli that may be perceived as threatening. A 2008 study in the Journal of Science found that conservatives have a stronger psychological reaction to startling noises in graphic images compared to liberals. A brain huh. imaging study published in Current Biology revealed that there that those who learn lean right politically tend to have a larger amygdala, a structure that is elect- electrically active during states of fear and anxiety. In a 2014 
fMRI study found that it is possible to predict whether someone is a liberal or conservative simply by looking at their brain activity while they're viewing threatening or disgusting images, such as mutilated bodies. Specifically, the brain or, or... the brains of self-identified conservatives generated more a- activity overall in response to disturbing images. Oh, boy. These brain responses are automatic and not influenced by logic or reason. As long as Trump continues to portray Muslims and Hispanic immigrants as immigrant as Im- imminent threats, many conservative brains will involuntarily light up like light bulbs being controlled by a switch. Right. That I can't help but think about his most recent tweet <clears throat> about that senator. Yeah, Illinois Congress, yeah, yeah, Congresswoman Illinois. Yeah, and just showing images from nine eleven and stuff. Yeah, in the background. Oh boy. Yeah, but it's real. I mean, um, in uh, evolutionary psychology, yeah, um, studies have shown that the size of amygdala, that which is which controls flight or flight, yeah, um, responses, will in in will either will be smaller or bigger depending on how much education you have mm-hmm. and how and or how much travel mm. you've you've basically exposure ex- to the world exposure to the world expanding yeah. what is your in group and out group yeah, because people yeah, yeah. mostly fear what they don't know they fear the other right and the more people who are no longer the other the less oh. you have to fear so people like so people who have smaller amygdalas are generally people that come from um, either have a lot of education them, themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or come from oh, you know a line of people who right. have traveled and you know have Interesting. education. So. I was just thinking about some people's circle might be as small as people who look like them. Yeah, you people who have I mean? never left Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I'm I'm reading these, you know, and I'm just I'm seeing I'm checking off everyone that I. You can point to the, him using. Mm-hmm. He uses fear tactics all the time. Yeah, he really does. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so number six, the power of morality reminds the perceived exi- r- reminders and <laughs> I fucked that up. Six, the power of morality reminders and perceived ex- existential existential threat. Um, a well-supported theory from social psychology known as terror management theory explains why Trump's fear mongering is doubly effective. The theory is based on the fact that humans have a unique awareness of their own morality. The inevitability of one's death creates existential existential terror and anxiety that has always resided below the surface. In order to manage this terror, humans adopt cultural worldviews. Like religion, political ideologies, and national identities, they they act as a buffer by instilling life with meaning and value. So um, the two theories, one of the theories is terror management theory, Mm -hmm. predicts that when people are reminded of their own morality, which happens with fear mongering, they will Mm. be, they will, they will more strongly defend those who share the worldviews and national or ethnic identity um, as, you know, as their own. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of studies have supported this hypothesis. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Not only do death reminders increase nationalism, they may influence uh, voting habits mm-hmm. in favor of more conservative presidential candidates. And more disturbingly, in a study with, Ameri- with American students, scientists found that making more uh, morality uh, salient increased support for extreme military interventions by American forces that would kill thousands of civilians overseas. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the effect was present only in conservatives. Weird. Hmm. I mean, I would imagine that I'm not not even imagine as as the world becomes more globalized, you're having a broader, bigger circle, you know, and you're you do. I don't know. Even today with the the age of information, if something happens across the world, it takes a click of a button for you to know about it. Mm -hmm. And I I would assume that that 
helps this idea of fear or this notion of fear. Well, sure. And it's interesting. Like, so, um, obviously the, the, the cathedral of Notre Dame was on fire. Everybody's Mm -hmm. seen it. Everybody's heard of it, heard about it. Um, but there were doctored images all over Twitter, really, like thousands of people watching where they, where people were dubbing in sounds of, uh, of Allah Akbar chants. (gasps) And so like, that feed had at one point 36,000 people watching it. Right. Thinking that it was like Muslims were chanting at, at this Catholic cathedral oh, burning. Word. And then, so that's influencing their worldview, right? right that's right. that's fear mongering. And it, it's just, so when you have president Trump mm-hmm. who obviously didn't share that video, but he shares a video of a U.S. representative who's a Muslim woman right. standing in front of the two towers burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you? How does that not reinforce his fear mongering? And then yeah. you think of him as your protector. He's the one keeping those people at the gates. Right. He's right. the one. He's the watcher on the wall, mm-hmm. keeping us safe from those people. Right. How would you not all of a sudden think that you you have to vote for him because it's a life and death situation? Yes. Yeah. It's a life and death consequences if he's no longer in office. Yes. Because if those liberals get in, the Democrats, they're not going to preserve us. They're going to open the gates to these people. <laughs> But you, but I mean, that just sounds crazy when we're talking about this. Right, right. Talk, but you see it in real time. Yeah, it's if, absolutely if happening. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. All right. Ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Number <laughs> <laughs> number seven. Number seven. The Dunning Kruger effect. Uh-huh. Humans often overstate their political ex- expertise. Oh yeah. Um, some who support Donald Trump are underinformed or misinformed about the issues at hand. When Trump tells them that crime is skyrocketing in the United States or that the economy is the worst it's ever been, they simply take his word for it. (laughs) The Dunning-Kruger effect explains that the problem isn't just that they are misinformed. It is that they are completely unaware that they are misinformed, which creates a double burden. Yes. Studies have shown that people who lack expertise in some areas of knowledge often have a cognitive bias that prevents them from realizing that, they're all, realizing that mm-hmm. they lack ex- expertise. Right. As uh, psychologist David Dunning puts it, in an op-ed for Politico, the knowledge and intelligence that are required to be good at a task are often the same qualities needed to recognize that one is not good at that task. And if one lacks such knowledge and intelligence, one remains ignorant that one is not good at the task. This includes political judgment. These people cannot be reached because they mistakenly believe that they are the ones who should be teaching others. Oh, boy. I find that one interesting. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that people... I, I don't know, culture and people today are just so afraid of being wrong or admitting that they're wrong mm-hmm. and taking that as an opportunity to learn. So they double down. You yeah. and I have talked a little bit yeah. about this. Um, there's so much benefit in being wrong or proving. I'll go back to what I was saying earlier about this adoption process. Misconceptions that you have about the system and people within it. And then you go and you see and you experience it. Now I have a little bit. I have a better understanding of of what it is. I'm no expert, but if I were to talk about it or you hear other people Mm -hmm. so adamantly describe, oh, well, they're just, oh, that's just a crack baby from a crack mom and they're just too poor to, to, they're living off um, food stamps. So, of course, they're in the system. Well, no, look at, there's an entire long and complicated history to how these people got here. But people will talk about it like they're the experts of it. Yeah. And instead of just saying, Maybe I don't know enough on that to speak on that. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you have to know what you don't know. Yes. And the problem is, is that people <laughs> don't seek the knowledge necessary to know what they don't know. Right. 
that there's a baseline of knowledge that you have to have mm-hmm. to know what you don't know. Otherwise, uh-huh. you think you know everything. That's a great point. I mean, that's the point of this. But yes, yeah. that's well put. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've said this before, but there's something so fun in in learning in in that moment when you're when something really resonates with you and you're just like, holy shit. Like when you realize the impact of something that you've just learned on you personally, whether it's changed the way you view something or your understanding of something else. I love that. I live for that. Sure. I don't know. I hate everyone. Well, (laughs) I mean, how much, (laughs) how much have our minds been changed? I mean, I go, I get almost daily reminders on Facebook of the old things that I used to post. Oh yeah. And it's (laughs) almost like I need, I need that reminder to realize where I was Mm -hmm. before I went and challenged myself. Right. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be through formal education, Mm -hmm. but but even that right there, that little memory reminder that you mm-hmm. get on Facebook, that's a little reminder of like, remember, you didn't know this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't want to sound elitist, like the only way you can do yeah, this is by going, so and, getting a, like going and getting a formal <laughs> education. That's not it. It's just that is probably the most efficient and effective way mm-hmm. to get into an environment that challenges you because yeah. a college campus usually should and generally is. Mm-hmm a marketplace of ideas where yep. you're constantly being challenged yeah. and it's and it, it forces you out of a comfort zone where I think m- many people, especially with today's internet, it's so easy to insulate yourself with news that just reinforces your own worldview, Absolutely. reinforces the real ad- reality of the way you want it to be mm-hmm. where at least where, and there are people who are naturally ability, have the natural ability to go out and challenge themselves without having to go to school to do it. Right. But for me, that wasn't the case. No. And I needed, I needed that environment mm-hmm. to force me, like hit me with the face, hit me over the face with information that challenged my preconceived yeah. notions. Yeah. And I don't think I would have grown if I hadn't had that How many experience. people are going out to like cultural events locally? How many people are going to their historical museums to learn about other cultures or challenge their ideas probably, on their own free time? No, probably not. And even if they are in some short way, mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, see, that's just dumb liberal bullshit or yeah something. well i know I've, I've experienced of like people when i've been at an institution helping or volunteering and they'll come in and they'll tell me what the history is <laughs> or, or what the facts are yeah. and it's like but i mean i appreciate them being there and, and that's one step further than some others take mm-hmm. but i think your point as far as like going to school um for you it worked because you're not only paying for it but you you you're you're obligated to be exposed to different ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's the point I'm making is how often in your daily routine, not you specifically, but you, the general, yeah, you, the Royal, <laughs> we, um, are, do you go out of your way to expose yourself to maybe something that you didn't know previously? Yeah. So. I, I, each and each, everybody has their own individual experience, but mm-hmm. at least school taught me what I didn't know. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number eight, number relative eight. deprivation, a misguided sense of entitlement. Hmm. Re- relative deprivation refers to the ex- experience of being deprived of something to which one believes they are entitled. It is the discontent felt when one compares their position in life to others when they feel are when they feel are equal, who they feel are equal or inferior, but are unfairly more successful than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, common explanations for Trump's popularity among non-bigoted voters involve economics. There's no doubt that some Trump supporters are simply angry that American jobs are being lost to Mexico and China, which is certainly understandable. Although these loyalists often ignore the fact that some of these 
uh, careers are actually being lost due to accelerating pace of automation. Mm-hmm. These Trump supporters are exceedingly relative de- um, are experiencing relative depri- uh, deprivation and are common among the swing states like Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. This kind of deprivation is specifically referred to as relative, as opposed to absolute, because the feeling is often based on a skewed perception of what is what one is entitled to. Mm-hmm. This one's a little more complex. Yeah, um, where someone's they 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 think they're entitled to a job, right? And if that job's not there. They want to blame somebody for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this is saying. Right? Did you get? Did, yeah. What, what did you? Yeah. What did you get from? I'm it? just thinking about um, other things, uh, as far as like entitlement, sure, um, or wanting or needing or feeling like you're supposed to have this. Like you and I have been applying for jobs since for a year now, mm-hmm. and nothing has come come up. You yeah. know what I mean? But I heard I heard a talk the other day, someone speaking, and they were just like, "Listen, like you, if you live in the United States, you have opportunity." Now I. I'm not ignoring the socioeconomic situations that people live in every day. But I think if there's ever been a time for you to explore potential options to lift yourself up by the bootstraps, as they say, Mm -hmm. especially me, I'm mostly thinking about myself like I have to take it upon myself. This any entitlement that I deserve. Trust me, there are jobs where I'm like. I should have that effing job. Not, and I don't know if that comes from entitlement, but it comes from I know I would crush it. Mm-hmm. So you guys are missing out on me. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just thinking about this time in this era. Like, if you miss out on a job because of it being sent to another country, I understand the frustration there. I get that. But there are also, I think this time is the time, if any time, to better yourself. In all in all forms, if you can, I mean, the opportunities are there. I think, mm-hmm. and I think that not enough people take advantage of those opportunities and then like to complain about it. Yeah. Um. But that just sounds like me complaining about people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I like get what you're they're saying. just living off the system. You know, those. That's not what I'm saying. But the, I sound like I'm saying the people who do say those things. Like, just get up and do something. And obviously, again, I recognize that there are a million other factors that inhibit people from doing certain things. Mm-hmm. But for those capable enough, I think that there's there's so much more that can be done to better your own situation in your life and, and the way you think and the way you act and the way you live and being exposed to new things. And um, as far as jobs, I mean, is there more I could be doing? Probably. <laughs> but that I think because I know that, that prevents me from feeling entitled or like I deserve to have something. Sure. I could always be doing more. You know, we become such an online culture. Just submit your application online. Okay, yeah, great. Or I could get that hiring manager's phone number, which is often present. Give him a call. Be like, hey, I just submitted my application. My name's Jeff. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are a million things that have been done for decades that I'm just not doing, mm-hmm. I could be doing, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Sure. I don't know, I, I, I don't know I, if that's I, on point, but that's just what I'm thinking Yeah, 100%. About. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And then and to your point, like if you you live in the United States, you have um, more agency than probably yeah. like 80% of the rest yes, of the world. That's what I'm trying and, to say. Um, because, you know, there is more, because of the United States' geographic location and then also it's just economic power mm-hmm. in the world and its ability to dictate to others what the rules of the game are internationally um there has never been a b- better time 
where there's been more, the United States has more access and more security, mm-hmm. the two major components to having people being able to go and explore things, right. other than having to go and you know farm for yourself, provide for your own security, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that doesn't allow for exploring history, mm-hmm. exp- um, uh, exploring your own goals because you're more concerned right. with your own, like, what's going to happen the next day? Can I right. survive the next day? The United States offers more security and more yeah. access than any other any other nation, essentially. Right. Um, to this level, this population of people, and obviously there is inequality, but right. um, yeah, I think there is. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if what we're saying is it, is really what the author was going with with number right. eight, but I think it's a good discussion to have For anyway. Sure. Um. So number nine, mm-hmm. lack of exposure to dissimilar others. Uh, intergroup contact mm. refers to contact yeah. with members of groups that are outside one's own. Yeah. Uh, which has been ex- um, experimentally shown to reduce prejudice. As such, it is important to note that there is a growing evidence that Trump's white supporters have experienced significantly less contact with minorities than other Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he cites a study. And, right. Um, but that's basically what we've been talking about. What we've been talking about, yeah. the other, you know, the othering. Mm-hmm. And then when you reduce those people that are seen as others, mm-hmm. you reduce that unknown, um, you become far less prejudiced. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, number 10, Trump's conspiracy theories target the mentally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, while the conspiracy theory crowd who predominantly support Donald Trump and crackpot allies like Alex Jones. Whoa, and sh- whoa. I love Alex Jones. <laughs> okay, but he's a crackpot. He is, but I love him. Okay, fine. You can love him, but you can still admit he's a crackpot. In the shadowy uh, QAnon mm-hmm. may appear to just be an odd quirk of modern society. Mm-hmm. Some of them may suffer from psychological illness that involve paranoia and delusions such as schizophrenia or at least vulnerable to them. Like those with psycho... Um, Schizotypy? <laughs> okay. Whatever. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a word I, yeah, that's a word I'm not familiar with. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, um, but it, it is interesting because one of the major causes of war has like throughout human time, throughout the history of humanity, has been the reliance on mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and humans are especially... Oh, well, humans are relying on mysticism, and that mm-hmm. has been a major cause of war, one of the five major causes of war throughout our, you know, human throughout human society. Right. So I think that... I mean, I, I, so I think that there has always been a reliance on conspiracy... Like, mm-hmm. the, the conspiracy has always... Like, reliance on conspiracy theories to explain certain events mm-hmm. has always been present in human... Always been present in humans, regardless of oh, society yeah. and culture yeah. that that a human is living in. Mm-hmm. I think that's just almost like a constant. Right. Um, the link between uh, schiz- schizotypy. I feel like that fifth grader who doesn't know how to say a word yeah. when he has to read out loud to the class. So oh, just like, so God. mispronounces it, but just keeps going mispronouncing yeah. it. I feel like that right now. I got a little anxiety schizotypy. coming back because that was always me in the fifth grade. <laughs> in belief in conspiracy theories as well, established in a recent study published in the Journal of Psychiatry Research, has demonstrated that it is still very very prevalent in the population. Uh, Donald Trump and media allies target these people directly. All one has to do is visit alt-right websites and discussion boards to see the evidence for such manipulations. And as someone who has delved into that world a bit, it is definitely prevalent. Oh yeah. Like there was this whole conspiracy that um, they felt like because Taylor Swift named her cat something. No. that, That it secretly meant because apparently there was this far right website like chat room uh-huh. that when Taylor Swift put out that she wanted help of her fans to name a cat, uh-huh. like the poll that was done within this alt right chat group about Taylor Swift's cat one and she named it that uh-huh. just coincidentally, they took that as, oh, she must be reading 
alt-right oh, stuff about Donald my. Trump, so she must be a Trump supporter. So then they started writing uh, fan... It's all on Google this. Uh-huh. They started writing um, <laughs> fan fiction where Taylor Swift and Kanye West got together over their love of their 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 uh, their love for Trump. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, we both love Trump. Let's get together. And they wrote all this like erotic fan fiction about <laughs> Kanye West and and, and, and Taylor Whoa. Swift. Well, then and then when Taylor Swift came out in support of um, the Democratic candidate yeah. in ten- in Tennessee's election mm-hmm. this last go around in the last midterm. And then they're like, "Oh, we thought she was a Trump supporter. Oh, she's flipped to the, you know, uh-huh. you know she's flipped to you know, whatever side." Yeah, you know, they the, found us. They're con- they're curving the conspiracy. Yeah, and they they she's been brainwashed or whatever. Yeah, or exactly. She, like, she really wasn't who we thought she was. And ugh. maybe she died, and this is a uh, a clone or a lookalike. Yeah, and she's not actually her. Sure. <laughs> or, the, or there's or there's even like the you know. Um, you know, QAnon is this person who is in the deep state, but is sending uh-huh. out information and trying to show that oh, the deep state is trying to take down Donald Trump from uh, within, and that's that's the whole part of like the whole QAnon thing. I've never heard of that. You haven't heard of QAnon? No. So when you go when you watch Trump rallies, yeah, look for people who have a big Q letter Q on their shirt. They're all over his rallies. Really? But they're the people that they're the people that adhere to this QAnon. It's almost like a cult. But they believe that there's this guy who goes by the code name QAnon uh-huh. who is in the deep within the government uh-huh. he's a trump ally and he's exposed he's sending out and exposing all of this Whoa. deep state stuff it's all this doctor it's all of this like made up like yeah crap but they're saying it's coming directly from the government and he's exposing trump's like n- like the deep state that is actively trying to take down donald trump that's incredible that sounds so interesting mm-hmm. i might deep dive into that you, might, you should whoa yeah th- I mean, you know, there are some conspiracy theories that I, I question. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know, um, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But I generally do know how dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. People die because of conspiracy theories, all yeah. the time. So, yeah. So anyway, I th- but I do think he he even at times in his rhetoric pays homage to some of these conspiracy theories he feeds into them oh yeah and and they they love him for it oh yeah because it you know, it's reinforcing their world absolutely so you want to vote for somebody who you think aligns with you perfect point anyway so trump taps into the nation nation's collective narcissism mm-hmm. uh, collective narcissism <laughs> right <laughs> collective narcissism is an unrealistic shared belief that the greatness of one's national gr- in in the greatness of one's national group. Mm-hmm. It often occurs when a group who believes it's rep- it represents the true identity of a nation, the in-group, in this case, white Americans perceive it as being disadvantaged compared to out-groups who are getting ahead of them unrightfully. The psychological phenomenon is r- related to a rel- to relative deprivation, which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Yeah. A study uh, published last year in the Journal of S- uh, Social, Psychological, and Personality Science found a direct link between national collective narcissism and support for Donald Trump. This, coll- this correlation was discovered by research at the University of Warsaw, who surveyed over 400 Americans with a series of questionnaires about political and social beliefs, where individual narcissism causes aggressiveness towards other individuals. Collective narcissism involves negative attitudes and aggression towards outsider groups um, who are perceived as threats. Hmm. Um, So using words such as true patriot or real American... Stuff like that, which yeah. tries to create this identity, patriot prayer, right? Um, stuff like that, where you're yeah. trying to wrap the flag in mm-hmm. um, around a certain idea, right? And trying to then say that r- a real American 
would believe this. Does A, B, or C. Yes. Well, I've talked about it on this show where I've been told by Trump supporters, if you don't share this, you're not a real American. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't believe this, you're not a real American. I saw a sticker on a truck at work that said, if you're not behind the troops, then stand in front of them. And it was essentially alluding to get shot by them. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, and then, but who de- who decides what is behind the troops? Right, right. If I if I'm if I s- question They're, them being sent, yeah, to right. some land to, you know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason. If I question them being used as a political potentially as a political tool, am I not supporting the troops? Or am right. I su- am, am I actually supporting the troops? That's all for debate. Right. That's all I'm saying is that there's yes. there's a lot of ways to um to look at what mm-hmm. is support like to there's a lot of perspectives on what is supporting oh, the troops yeah. and then so it's dangerous when you try to have someone who's trying to define, define what is it. truly yes. supporting those troops because that's how that, that can become used as a political tool absolutely um to <sighs> either gain power to um well put people <laughs> on the extreme case put people in front of the troops right i saw i'm not going to say what tv show was on while I just so happened to be in the room. I wasn't watching it, but there was this, uh, it's, it's like one of those E shows or whatever. So, um, they were, this group of women was talking about, it was during the Kavanaugh hearings. Mm. The majority of the group of women were just like, you know, like how can we, you know, against Kavanaugh and against the whole, like, you know, in support of what was her name? Christine Blasey Ford. Yeah, there you go. Um, but there was one woman in the group who was just like adamant and strictly supporting Kavanaugh hmm. because she had been um, there had been allegations made against her that were unfounded and untrue. So she was like, he must be innocent. So that's what I think about as far as like, I know it's not a collective narcissism, mm-hmm. but there's this little incident of narcissism like, like, look, this is kind of relatable to me so i'm totally supporting this guy yeah you know what i mean it's not interesting it's a very interesting psychological phenomenon dude yeah well it's it's people who generally rely on anecdotal evidence to make generalizations great point it's the same kind of thing real housewives (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) number 12 number 12 the desire to want to dominate others oh Wow. Um, social dominance orientation, mm. SDO, which is distinct from but related to authoritarian personalities, which is number 13, yeah. refers to people who have a preference for the societal hierarchy of groups, specifically with a structure to those the high status groups have dominance over the low status ones. Mm-hmm. Those with SDO are typically dominant, tough minded, and driven by self interest. In Trump's speeches, he appeals to those with SDO by repeatedly making a clear distinction between groups that have a generally higher status in society, white, and those groups that are that are typically thought of as belonging to a lower status, immigrants and minorities. A 2016 survey study of four, 406 American adults published last year in the Journal of Psych, uh, Personality and Individual Differences found that those who scored high on both SDO and authoritarianism were more likely to vote for Trump in, in, the, ele- in the election. Hmm. So that's an interesting, um, or I mean, you could obviously make um, a hierarchy on race, right? And everything right. that too, but you, I think you could also do a hierarchy on gender mm-hmm. or masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like he obviously favored, like you know, we got to be tough, right? Yeah. It, and he's always trying to show this this outward 
stance of masculinity and mm. people love the toughness about it. Like yeah. if you're if you're a weak beta male, you're obviously a liberal. Right. You know, Trumpism is is oh, tough ma- is tough masculinity. Yeah. Where the alphas support Trump. If you're mm-hmm. if you don't support Trump, you must be a weak male. Mm. Stuff like that. Yeah. I, I I almost wonder if that all if that into number four sure. as well yeah what are your thoughts i agree yeah i think that's interesting i didn't think about it until you just said it but i mean just the vernacular language surrounded by like you know stemming from quote-unquote masculinity of like i don't know tough guy mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's interesting <laughs> yeah uh, the social dominance and the desire to want to dominate others is that's terrifying I mean, I, I don't know how much of a percentage. Um, so it's it's interesting, right? There's four like archetypes that this fourteen archetypes uh-huh. that this um, that this uh, um, you know this author is pointing out. Yeah. So it's interesting, like what percentage of the population? Oh, I get you. Do fill each one of these archetypes? I'm sure they check several. Right. Boxes. So there's like th- <laughs> right, so, but there's like anywhere from thirty nine to forty two percent of registered voters uh-huh. support the president. Right. So if you think who are registered, how many registered voters? I'm like, okay, well, maybe of 360 some million people, mm-hmm. how many of these people are voting for Donald? Right. So how many people are these voting for Donald Trump? So, I mean, I guess how many, I mean, I guess when you break it down to, and you, you've even got a million people. That's a lot of freaking people that might fill one of these archetypes. Yeah. That's an alarming amount. Eee, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, number 13, authoritarian 13. personality. Authoritarianism refers mm. to the advocacy or enforcement of strict obedience to authority at the expense of personal freedom and is commonly associated with lack of concern for the opinions of or needs of others. Authoritarian personalities is characterized by belief in total and complete obedience to authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of just repeated himself. Right. There. Those with this personality often display aggression towards outgroup members, submissiveness to authority, resistance to new experiences, and a rigid hierarchical view of society. Authoritarianism is often triggered by fear, making it easy for leaders who exaggerate threat or fear mongers to gain their allegiance. Mm-hmm. Although authoritarian personalities is found among liberals, it is more common among the right wing around the among the right wing around the world mm-hmm. president trump's speeches which are laced with absolutist terms like losers oh yeah and complete disasters are nationally appealing to those with such a personality hmm. while research showed that republican voters in the u.s scored higher than democrats on measures of authoritarianism before trump's emerged before trump emerged on the political scene a 2016 political survey politico survey found that high authoritarians greatly favored then candidate trump which led to a cor- uh, correct prediction that he would win the election despite the poll despite the polls saying oh, otherwise wow. so it's interesting that they were like politico was like saying like well look at all these people are scoring high on like psychologically authoritarianism yeah like, tests and then like well he's gonna win the election because like how many people mm. adhere to this ideology anyway right. super interesting um and it gets kind of back to kind of the contradictory nature when we, we talked about the you're interested we kind of explore this a bit in our most recent episode mm-hmm. of to the republic the Rep- when we break down the republican party mm-hmm. and almost like there's like this contradictory um seeming contradiction between um on one hand they don't want the government involved and then in other areas where it basically where it could be right. fear, like they want they take a very hobbesian view of human nature where they mm-hmm. want that tough leviathan losing you know personal liberties at the expense of of uh security in right. areas where they they are they have been conditioned to view things as fearful such as they want strict government intervention on immigration they want strict um 
you know, security policies like the um, Patriot Act. But mm-hmm. then in other areas, they want to take like the hands off Adam Smith, like laissez faire style of right. you know, government uh, intervention like, in, in the economy and stuff like that. So it is interesting um, that you have this guess kind of dichotomy in the minds of mm-hmm. some Republican Republican right. voters today. I think a great example you brought up uh, last time we met was um, some individuals who are advocating for not abiding by I-1639. Mm-hmm. Let's find sanctuary cities who will not, you know, uphold that law that's been passed. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, they would be against advocating for sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants. Yeah. And then on the flip side, those who would advocate for sanctuary cities for illegal ig- immigrants, which is not legal, yeah. then advocating for, you know, or being against the idea of anyone or sanctuary cities, if you will, who are protecting gun rights and not adhering to I-1639. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was such a great example. Um, but that gets to the, the idea of like a little bit of a hypocrisy, but the, the of the two minds. Sure. That you're going to be for something. But really, if you flip it onto something that you ideologically disagree with, then you're not really for that behavior. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point. And one thing on, on authoritarian personality that I want to point out is, you know, something that I don't know if you've heard, but uh, I asked Dimitri on knuckle draggers, my, the other show, if there, well, there are two kind of people, what kind of people do you think they are? If you were to say that people are either a or B and I think he put it well, I think it's a fair argument that there are leaders and followers, um, which is something, you know, broadly, you're, you, I don't ever want to make those blanket statements, but I think that there are uh, there are people out there who do look to be led. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that this authoritarian personality, I think that kind of touches on that. Um, but then again, to what we're saying is they think they want to be led in one form, but then if you flip it and say, well, okay, if you are advocating for this person to be an authoritarian that also takes away these rights of a, B and C. And then they're like, okay, crap, maybe I don't want that. You get what I'm saying? No, I do good. No, I, I, it took me a second to process that, but yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, I I find it interesting that I think there are people who want to be leaders and followers. Yes. I mean, his military background, right. I think, oh, influences I, I that. Chops about that. <laughs> have, uh, I'm has, a robot. Tell me what to do. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean that. I think. Yeah. I mean that environment that he's in is going to, sure. you know, facilitate that yeah, kind absolutely. of that kind of behavior and adherence to mm-hmm. to hierarchy, um, which is all fine. That's what right. he was trained to do. Yes. Um, but it. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it is interesting about when people when they feel like a blo- like. I don't know. It's like, do they feel obliged because when they when they want to lead, right? What is causing them to want to lead in a in a certain situation oh. where they would want to be followers in other right. situations? Well, and I feel like if you ask most people, are you a leader or a follower? They would most people would say I'm a leader. Well, because I think most <laughs> people don't. There's almost. I mean, that in itself is a psychological mechanism. I right. Think most people want to be seen as an alpha. Absolutely. Even if they aren't. Right. Naturally, they don't have that disposition to mm-hmm. want to voluntarily step forward and lead right um so yeah oh, well interesting interesting yeah all right number 14 14 in the last archetype yeah is um i guess he's saving the the most controversial for last yeah uh racism and bigotry mm-hmm. 
Uh, it would be grossly unfair and inaccurate to say that every one of Trump's supporters have prejudice against ethnic and religious minorities. I appreciate he started this with that. Yeah, that's a good caveat. Yes. But it would be equally inaccurate to say that few do. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party, going at least as far back to Richard Nixon's Southern strategy, has historically used tactics that appealed to bigotry, such as lacing speeches with dog whistles, mm. code words that signal prejudice towards minorities that are designed to be heard by racists, but by racists, but no one else. Yeah. See, that's really it. That's so tough because I tried to have. I was having this conversation with somebody the other okay. day, and I was I used the term dog whistle, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, like that's just some academic term you're just throwing out there. Like you can't actually quantify that." Okay. And I was like, "Well, you can, mm-hmm. but you just have to know the historical background." of what those words mean when, right. when presented in a specific context mm-hmm. that they do call out there. There, they do exist is basically was my, but without the understanding of the cultural and historical background of what those means, those words mean. I don't know that term, Jake. Dog whistle. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so when someone's giving a speech, okay. Um, or has like any sort of public, um, is using speech publicly either yeah, through written yeah. words or through um, actual spoken word. Okay, they're they're using words that would call out what would be picked up by people who um, would know what 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 that what that word means. Okay, so I'm trying to think of an example, and I can't yeah, come up with yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking when you were saying this, like maybe. Um, maybe some like uh, racially charged or or. Um, undertones mm-hmm. you know, put through a speech. I think it's exactly what he's right. getting at. Yeah. Um, but some examples I just found real quick were, uh, which is my favorite example. I want a shirt that says this, but uh, like bad hombres. Okay. Well, yeah. When he was talking about, um, you know, Mexican, yeah, Mexican, Mexican immigrants. immigrants. Um, yeah, there's some bad, there's some bad hombres. Right. Like, right. It's a dog whistle to people who fear immigration right, who already think right. that every mexican crossing the border is like you know rapist and <laughs> exactly drug dealer, <laughs> and a drug dealer. And stealing their jobs yeah okay that makes sense so okay. that's that's what i think he meant by dog right whistle. okay anyway i mean you but you can see that laced consistently with in in, oh, re, in political rhetoric yeah, not just yeah. by trump no, but no, no, by no, a lot no. of people yeah, absolutely um while dog whistles of the past were subtler trump's signaling is sometimes shockingly direct there's oh, right no here, denying yeah. that he routinely appeals to racist, bigoted supporters when he calls Muslims dangerous and Mexican Im- immigrants racist and murderers, rapists, rapists yeah. <laughs> and murderers, often in a blanketed fashion. fashion. Yeah. Perhaps unsurprisingly, a recent study has shown that support for Trump is correlated with a standard scale of modern racism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, inter- interesting. This was a in- super interesting article. Yeah, um, definitely. If you have any thoughts on it, I'd like you know hit hit us up. I'd like to hear what you guys think about any one of these points yeah. if you want to disagree with any of them we'll love to get your point of view yeah um we have the ability to call anybody and have that call recorded so if you ever want to call in maybe you can't make a recording like we'll call you up and we'll have a chat and we can see how that goes and if you want it online we can do that too yeah i'm just saying there's a ton of ways that we can facilitate conversation you know it's not just me and jake talking to ourselves into the dead space. <laughs> if you want to engage, there's absolutely a place for that and space for that. Um, and we welcome it. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, I think this whole article has a great point in saying right here with this last um, big racist and bigotry, um, when he's talking about making blanket statements about others, mm-hmm. this otherization, 
this broadening of your own circle. I think if you know somebody who's Mexican American and you know somebody who's Mexican, um, if you know buddy, if you know somebody who may be here illegally, that broadens your understanding. And when Trump makes comments like that about all Mexicans being rapists and murderers, you know firsthand because of relationships and the broadening of your own circle that that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is helpful and important. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if maybe people hold back on their thoughts of Mexican immigration because and when having a conversation with me because I am half Mexican. I guarantee it happens. I'm sure. I guarantee it, mm-hmm. especially with my friends who are Trump supporters. Um, and I don't fault them at that. Maybe they just are... What's the naive? I think there's a lot of naivety around this mm-hmm. um, and just being a fool and following falling for a lot of this, which I don't fault them for. But I do fault them for not exploring and educating themselves or, <clears throat> you know, every time I have a conversation with these Trump supporters, they're just like, oh, shit, I didn't think about it like that. It's like, well, it's because you didn't even think about it, dude. You just were told what to think. And then you said, must be true. Yeah. Bad embrace. Bad embrace. <laughs> I don't know. I like this. Thank you for bringing it. Yeah, of course. Great conversation. Sorry, sorry if that was boring me reading the article. No, no, no. I thought it was going to be, but it was helpful. <laughs> it's like the news guy that yeah. reads the news. Yeah, you're just reading your prompter. Well, what was that from How I Met Your Mother? Um, Sandy. Sandy. Um, oh, yes. The, the guy, Robin's uh, the anchor from mm-hmm. Metro News mm-hmm. 1 where he just reads the news. Yeah. Like his whole bit is he just gets out the newspaper and reads the news oh, on, on yeah, live he's TV. he's reading the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was basically me in this Because it was episode. so early. Nobody yeah was watching mm-hmm. so he was just reading the newspaper <laughs> oh i forgot about that i'm gonna have to rewatch that show again oh boy all right jake we good i think we're good man all right man thanks for listening everyone thanks for hanging with us to the trailblazers rants and um exploring this article with us and some psychology with us that was fun so uh n- next week I've got some a uh, couple more good stories holstered for counterculture. Counterculture, we're bringing counterculture back next week. Um, we're talking about trading off every week, but I mean, if something happens, it's just too good. We'll, well it's Blazers up. playoffs, so we right. might have to do a weekly oh, thing for, for at least until the Blazer season ends, which Wait. is hopefully in the NBA Finals in June. Next week, we're definitely doing a Blazers oh, segment too. We have too. to. Yeah, yeah. we got to catch up. Sorry. All right, guys. Um, not that sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag selfie. Uh, what is it? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> um, anyways, so thanks for listening. Yeah. And please share, like, subscribe. Give us a review. I mean, tell us which episodes you like. Tell us what you like the most. Tell us what you hate the most. I know some of you hate Trailblazers talk. I know some of you like Trailblazers talk. That's okay. Tell us. Let us know. Tell us why you don't like it. Tell us why you liked it. Tell us why you like us bashing on Trump. Tell us why you don't like it. I don't care. Just talk to us. Quit leaving me all by myself with here with Jake. People, please. (laughs) He talks too much. Love you. Bye. Bye. Say what you mean.